Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Top Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's Got Your Ears On. All right, everybody, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here, along with Scoot. That's Amore. And Johnson. <laughs> Ugly wins are still wins, Guido. Hey, a win is a win. A win is a win, buddy. That's all I got to say. Scoot through me with Amore. That's, I mean, it, yeah, I, I guess know. it was Amore to, to um, win. Testament to Cervelli. Cervelli retiring. I'm a Pirates fan. All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. A lot of stuff that, lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff to unpack. First thing I want to say, guys. Super excited to announce. Big right off the top. Announced. We are now available on Amazon. Amazon Music. You can go. They have podcasts now. You can go to Amazon Music and find our podcast. It's kind of awesome. I think Amazon's going to take over the podcast world. So you got to get on that if you haven't. Yeah. Already, so. Yeah. Well, and it's one more place that you can find us if you already use Amazon. Check us out. So definitely check us out. But I think the big thing to talk about: WVU pulls off a win, twenty-seven to twenty-one in double overtime against Baylor. Baylor cannot win in Morgantown. That's really good. I'm happy about that. Uh, Baylor has yet to to take a victory in Morgantown. It was the first WVU overtime win since 2013. It wasn't pretty. You know, the, the, the offense looked super unorganized. So we'll get the special teams, which I said I didn't want to talk about on this week's show. Oh, but you are going about. to have to talk about them. But I just want to say two things. One is, uh, first of all, I called it, guys. I said WVU would cover and win by seven. Yeah, you did. I was right. I did. Yeah, you I did. Right. To your credit, yes. And, and here's a stat that I want you to think about. For those of you that aren't trusting the climb and don't believe in Neil Brown and this team and this defense, we are five wins in our last seven games. Yeah, I mean, the record don't lie. Come on. The record don't lie. And those aren't, you know, of all, and those five wins, um, only one of them is, is, is against a, a team that probably could have been beaten by most high schools in West Virginia. Deep details, schmeetails. Uh, details, schmeetails. Come on. So, good game. Good game. It was a fun game to watch. A little stressful, I think, for us, us West Virginia fans. But uh, it started out with kind of big news before the game started. James Gamitter, who is the left side guard, uh, tested positive for COVID. Didn't play. Right. Uh, Zach Frazier moved into the role. Moved over from center to left and and kind of covered. Um, which I think the big takeaway for this is um, true freshman, which is super rare for a lineman, true freshman Zach Frazier has gotten more snaps in his first three games than any true freshman, I think, in the history of linemen at WVU. Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful game experience for him. Uh, he's got to be growing with every, with every snap of the football. This is big-time competition. He's right in the mix. And Letty Brown came out in the post game, and Letty Brown, you know, named him in the post game press conference and said, you know, Zach Frazier, he's super smart, knows football, you know, he's he's a great lineman. So I, th- I, I mean, that's just for me. I think it's really great to see what's probably going to be, you know, a future star for WVU on the offensive line part. Well, and speaking of offensive line, so we we came out that first series, Guido. Do you want to just go go down through the? 
kind of the chronology of events that first how good was the first series for the offense i had such high expectations after that first series yeah i was i was sitting pretty uh scoot i thought man this team this team's actually gonna do good today this is gonna be a beautiful game we're gonna put a bunch on top of baylor and get that get that win but uh, that first series was awesome yeah uh turnovers made you feel a little bit different yeah so after the first series i mean Deggy came out. He had what was it? Uh, you know, seven receptions to five different receivers on that first series, which was insane. Yeah, um, spreading it around. He scored on. He, I, I mean, he. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something crazy here, Guido. He kept the zone read and scored right? with it. After all that, after all that talk last week, I looked at the person I was watching with. Like, did that just happen? Did he? Whoa! And so. Like early on, I thought I thought things were going great. But back to Scoot's point, then you were just wishing Deggy would be better with the ball, you know, just better protecting the football. Now, again, under a lot of pressure, but still he, he you know, I just kept thinking during that first half, man, he's got to be better with the football. Well, the wheels just 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 came off like the 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 interceptions, the not being able to hold on to the ball. And again, as much as we talk about the positives of Zach Frazier, the offensive line still had a lot of trouble. On yeah, Saturday. well, and Baylor's defense was aggressive. I thought they were off sides five thousand times. Um, <laughs> that they Petri were constantly blissing. Yeah, the Petrie guy with oh number God. eight. I think yeah, he was offside seemingly every snap, and he was one of the I think two edge rushers that was just super aggressive all game long. Now WVU took advantage of some of that, but. Uh, when they weren't able to, it was definitely a headache for. It for felt like <laughs> Baylor operates with a semicircle for their defensive line. It's kind of like a crescent moon <laughs> where they wrap their defensive ends around your tight end and wide receivers. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. You know, the second half, it looked like it came together a little better on the offensive side of the ball. After that first series, every series was just a debacle after that first series during the first Well, half. I think it was on so on the heels of the Oklahoma State game, I feel like I started exactly where that left off. I thought even more so this time, I thought the defense was really asserting its dominance. I think the Stills brothers were getting great push at the line of scrimmage. They were getting sacks, harassing ball carriers. They were really, really getting a push at the line of scrimmage putting the offense in good field position. Um, and then, you know, the uh, what I mean with on the heels of Oklahoma State, I thought the offense really wasn't taking advantage right. of it. Right. I mean, it was – I mean, how many – I think there were at least two, if not three series, where the defense does a good three and out or, you know, makes a good stop, holds Baylor to, to no score – and then the offense got the ball, and the first play of the next series was a turnover, interception, yeah, an interception, a fumble. Um, it just it was it was a mess. I mean, with that on the positives, so you know, Jared Deggy didn't look bad. He was thirty for forty two, two hundred eleven yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. So that that's tough, and sacked twice, which was better than last week. Um, but the positive I think to come out of this week was Letty Brown is is the real deal with carrying the ball. And I think, you know, we talked about this earlier, uh, you know, in the season where we didn't want this whole running back by committee that we were afraid we were going to see that, you know, you would see Letty Brown get 10 attempts and Sinkfield get 10 attempts and somebody else. Yeah. But it's pretty much been, it's, it's Letty Brown's 
place to lose this position. 27 well, attempts, 103 yards, you know, two touchdowns. He looked great. Yeah, and catching balls out of the backfield too. I mean, he he had some receiving yards too. I I think every time you get the ball in Letty's hands, he's running hard, he's running with a purpose and it's always seemingly positive yards. So I totally agree. Now, Alex Sinkfield also took advantage of his opportunities. I thought he played really well during parts of the game. Yeah, as as long as it wasn't special teams, uh, he did great. <laughs> he did great. I mean, 6 for 53 with, you know, he averaged 8.8 yards. Well, one of those were yeah. 25-yard runs. So that was where half, almost half of right. that came from. But still, I mean, we'll, we'll take it. I mean, he looked good on the offensive side. When you get to the special teams, listen, I, I mean, I don't even I don't even know what to say, especially the play where, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton uh, runs in. Blasts Sinkfield. Like that, I during the game, I texted Johnson and said that it looked as though he and I were on the kick return yes, team, yes. the punt return team. That's what it looked like an impression of what Scoot and I would do on special teams. And it was, you know, of of course, we win a game and it's on ESPN's whatever, not top 10, Sunday fun day, I think is what they call it on Sunday. Well, you know, when that happened and look. You know, you're you're not on the field. Stuff moves fast. I, I think right. Sinkfield probably drifted over where Wheaton didn't expect him to be. I mean, it's easy for us to sit on a couch and point fingers at it. But I will say when it happens, you know how usually you'll be watching a game and, you know, normally when a big a big something happens, the people I'm watching it with, you're like, ooh, or there's like a big like expletive or like there's like some big reaction when that happened. The room was dead quiet, and I was thinking, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. And then right on cue, the person I was watching it with said, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And I knew <laughs> everyone's brains were breaking a little and, bit. Because and that guy that you watch the games with, he's seen some football in his day. He's seen a little bit of football. Yeah, he's, he's seen a good amount of football. So, yeah, I you know, I think... <laughs> I think that it it's what it is. It's one of those unfortunate circumstances. It happened on national television and you know, it became a highlight or a low light if you will on ESPN, but it still looked bad. And and I get that you're right. Somebody drifted, something happened, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton moved a little that he didn't he didn't know where the ball was. He didn't know where Alec Singfield was, but Well, and in Wheaton's to his credit he went on to play really well and 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 really affected the game in positive ways. So you, and Singfield did too. So you can't hammer on these guys, but in the moment, I'm looking back at my note, Guido, that you and I were popping notes like stream of consciousness notes in as we were watching the game. It's uh, it's not flattering. I can't repeat it here on the show, and I'm just glad it didn't it didn't cost us more than than it so did. So what I'm noticing by looking at looking at the stats right now, a couple things stand out to me. One is that Mathis hasn't seen the field very much in the backfield. Um, even all. though he saw right. some time last year, in those last four games where yeah. Yeah, he kind of right. had those free games to play with. Yeah. Um, but he he's, would almost come in as a package with Deggy. Right. Think, he's right? not He's not really seeing the field. A um, couple things that I also have noticed is that Winston Wright seems to be the dump-down guy. He seems to be the guy where you're, you're throwing to in the flat or a short – short field situation um michael laughlin we're actually throwing to a tight end again which is four 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 receptions for a tight end like when's the last time we saw it? we haven't seen that in yeah a while. um and then uh something else that i think is interesting is that tj simmons a guy that we thought you know alabama transfer would be kind of the i think he is kind of the 
the leader in the in the locker room as far as rallying the troops, but he uh, did not see too many targets this past weekend. Yeah. Sam James, to me, still has yet to break out. I mean, he had a good game. I mean, he, he you know, he had he, he led the team with receptions, eight receptions, yeah, 66 and, yards. and late, Guido, he had a huge catch and run to keep a first down drive going that, that led us to, to the score. So, you know, I he I agree with Scoot. He's been quiet, but he, I feel like he's he's made some big I'm plays. I'm still waiting for the Gary Jennings-type production sure, out yeah, of sure. Sam James. Yeah, I get it. Well, and I think... I think part of it, you know, right now we definitely don't have a standout receiver. We don't have a David Sills. We don't have, you know, one of those kind of receivers that we knew the ball was going to go to uh, right now. I, I, I also question if that's why some of the play calling and clock management uh, has been sort of awkward, if for lack of a better term. I mean, we into the first half, I'm not really sure what happened there. We gave ba- – and we were lucky – and special teams stepped up there with the block at the end of the first half. Yeah. But we we were lucky in that sense. But still, I don't understand how Baylor in that situation, how we let Baylor have the ball back with I agree. You know, a minute a minute to go. Yep. And I, I get it that you want to play tempo, and I get that when you're in that situation, you want to keep that defense tired and on their heels. But at some point, when you're at third down and eleven or whatever it was. You know, you, you don't you got to slow that tempo down to watch that clock management. Yeah, I agree. And I also, you know, Scoot, you're you're not going to have Gary Jennings production when you don't have someone that can throw the ball that stretches right. the field. Right. And I, I think he doesn't throw like, a long ball or hasn't yet. Really. No, he he's not. And and. I still haven't really gotten my head around because, look, I, I like Jared Deggie. I'm not like off of Jared Deggie or anything, but I'm just saying you can't you can't watch these games and come away thinking that he he throws a good long ball. You know, we gave Austin Kendall a lot of grief over time for, you know, floats floats my goats a bit scoot. Right. But yeah. you can't in fairness to to him, you can't watch these plays from Deggie and think he's stretching the field either. And I'll. And I'll say to Guido, early second half. Now, I thought he brought it home just fine. I mean, obviously we get the win. But early second half, I was kind of putting notes your way saying, "Are it? It does it feel like we're watching Deggy play his way out of the starting role? I mean, it was ending the first half, beginning of the second half. It was really rough. I mean, the people on Twitter were, were calling for a change. Yes, they yeah. were and still are in some places. Yeah, in some places. And they, and you know. They want to see Garrett Green. They want to see this true freshman. And listen, I get it, and I get the kid's exciting to talk about, and he's got a lot of energy. It, it's just not there yet. You know? I, it's, I'd it's, like to see. There's a lot. There's a lot you got to put together to get to that point. Well, and I think it would be unfair to him to just yeah, jam I mean, him you, in. There. You're not going to throw. You know, you're not going to throw him out. I mean, granted, we're playing Kansas next. You may see him, but you're not going to throw him out against a Baylor. You're not going to throw him out against Oklahoma State. It's a that's that's what would be interesting is not that I want to see this happen, but if if Jared Deggy were to get hurt, is it a guarantee that they go to Austin Kendall or does Garrett Green I don't no, I don't think so. I think Garrett Green probably has the and and you know, and here's a here's a little side note, and I don't know if this means anything or not. Uh if you watch the game this weekend and you saw the timeout huddles with Coach Brown, you know, quarterbacks always all the backup quarterbacks get in there. And if you noticed Garrett Green helmet on, like I paint, I paint yeah. on helmet on. Austin Kendall hat on, headset on. 
cup of Starbucks. He had a Starbucks in his hand. <laughs> yeah, it looked right. like a, a latte. Uh, well, and look, I don't, I don't bring all that up to say anything to question. Like, I, I still like Jared Deggy. I think he's the right person to be in there right now. I do, but you'd be foolish to sit back after these last two Saturdays and say that things look smooth to say the long balls look good to say that everything's polished. So what you're saying is you're not the guy that's put the for rent sign on his apartment. <laughs> I didn't you do didn't, that. You didn't, uh, <laughs> now leasing, you didn't put that sign on there. I did not do that. Okay. So into the first half was a little wonky. Uh, so they, we gave them the ball back. We blocked a field goal attempt. And then a flag is thrown yes. at the end of the right there. Right. And so then there is a very it, long deliberation as these refs are wont to do lately. So th- this is where I'm going with it. And I didn't realize this. I, I think when I, we were putting the notes in and I think even when we were posting on Twitter during the game, we were railing pretty hard on the on the Big 12 refs. This wasn't a Big 12 crew. Yeah, you're right. I heard the same thing. So I guess with COVID these last two weeks, they're asking refs to come together regionally. So in a lot of cases, it's people that it's refs that haven't worked together as a group. So yeah, you're getting a mix. It, it might be putting a little bit more perspective on why they take a little more discussion. Now, I had I had un, it was my understanding, Guido, that moving forward, they're actually going back to the regular pairings. So you will be able to, in fact, complain about Big 12 refs moving forward because it should be the people that normally work Big 12 games is the way I understood. But there were numerous times. There were numerous times when they went to review or whatever. And I was like, this is taking forever. And this this guy, this this official that we had, Scott Campbell, who, by the way, was like a – He's what's what uh, what was the what's the ref Ed, Ed Hockley. Hockley. They the call him the, Ed Hockley Jr. Yeah, Ed Hockley yeah, Jr. Man. What man. was with him? Like, come on, dude. Like, can your shirt like he was wearing like a kid size yeah, shirt? He's like boys medium he, to show <laughs> off his guns. He also was compared to somebody on Twitter compared him to the Secretary of the Treasury. Mnuchin. Mnuchin? He looks just <laughs> like he looks like <laughs> that guy. Nunchin, Mun Oh, yeah, okay. Not because he's ripped, but no. facial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I just thought it was all the way through the game. And it wasn't even – and to be honest with you, even though I think West Virginia did get some bad calls, I think Baylor got some bad calls too. Like, oh, I do that too. Touchdown was a, that, that non-touchdown was a touchdown for Baylor, I thought. Like, I, we, I was happy it wasn't a touchdown, and I get it. You can't see anything, but I, I don't know. I just felt like the officiating well, was Well, I fully expected it to be called a touchdown, and I was shocked when it wasn't. And I'll add yeah. one more thing in, Scoot flexing at the end of a touchdown run it should not be a 15 yard that well and i think i texted you what is the difference between that and the quarterback raising both arms for a touchdown like right that would be just as taunt worthy as a flex and literally yeah and he flexed I, and tossed the ball to the official it wasn't even like he said anything right and then i think you cheapen so you know Tony Fields drills someone, pretty much knocks them out on the field, and he gets a 15-yard personal foul. You've now equated that to flexing at the camera, 15-yard penalty. Well, to- Tony Fields is lucky that he didn't get kicked out of the game for that. He's yeah, super I, lucky. I didn't understand that at all, honestly. Um, I, and that was twice that happened because uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton did it on the offensive side in the first half. He knocked somebody on their butt. Um, after the whistle blew and that, you know, two stupid penalties. Well, and I expected them on the fields hit to do the whole, like, this is number whatever's first 
Right. Don't they normally do that? I didn't hear them do that. I well, maybe, it, does, maybe it depends. I just don't if it's targeting, if it's targeting their yeah. well, sportsman, like I think is what it has to be. Yeah. Okay. I, now there is yeah. one part of this game we have yet to talk about. Okay. It's the fact that you and I, maybe maybe not so much Guido. I can't see him being a part of this, but I feel like Johnson and I would love nothing more than to hold each of us hold a, a pole at the end of the banner that says Juice Squad. <laughs> Before every kickoff where the the bench is going crazy. I feel Not like there's crazy. a guy, there was a guy with a, I believe he had a yellow WVU hat. And he was, he's like on the coaching staff. He might be like a grad assistant or something. And I'm pretty sure it's his job. They showed him several times. It's his job to get the juice squad going. <laughs> to amp the juice squad. So I brought this up after the uh, Eastern Kentucky game. Yeah, you did. And, uh. What, so explain this juice squad sign to me, Scoot. What is this juice I think, squad sign? I think it's it's something that's come with Neil Brown from Troy because he was always talking about juice and having the juice. And Coach Al Pogue, who is now at Auburn, he was like the juice man. Like, yeah, he was always right. bringing the juice. Yeah, to, to me it would be so fitting if, if Coach Pogue was still there because it just feels like it fits what he was like, bringing. I'd like to bring him back just because yeah, of the juice. Me too. Like, yeah, me I too. like that guy. And I've watched him uh, – I watched a video clip. I don't know where I saw it, Twitter or somewhere, where he was mic'd up uh, at a practice for Auburn. Man, how, you would run through – I would run through anything for that guy. Right. Like, That's right. Yeah. You could throw anything in front of me, and I would run through it because that guy just gets you amped up all the time. Well, someone, Guido, that had me juiced up, though, was um, – is it Drashawn Miller? Yes. Um, yes. Number five, our – in the defensive backfield. I thought he played a spectacular game. Um, I thought he got gypped on a horrific uh, pass interference call in the second half that kept a Baylor – I think a Baylor scoring drive going. Um, but overall, I just was so happy because I got to be honest, you know, early in the season, even against Eastern Kentucky, I was kind of questioning our defensive secondary. And I think seeing um, seeing Alonzo Adai and now Miller, you know, really kind of start to make their mark. It just makes me so happy to see these guys really balling out and making plays and, and really affecting the game in positive ways. And I hope that that's giving them a lot more um a lot more confidence because man they they look good on the field i thought you know we almost sealed the game with a, a second interception from him in overtime um he made a great catch his foot was on the line right. back of the end zone and then and then tyke smith comes in and kind of seals it with another great play so just overall i mean i'm i'm pointing out miller specifically but i thought our defensive secondary just played a really nice i think the defensive how about mesador that kid's gonna be a beast right yeah i think i think the defense overall just played played remarkable well let's just let's just say this like it, it, you know this is and we've been saying this and we knew this was coming and we saw it a little bit last week with oklahoma state and for all of the people out there that have been hating on the defense after the oklahoma state game I hope that they ate their words because I I said it after the Oklahoma State game. I thought the defense looked good. The defense looked amazing, yeah. amazing this weekend against Baylor. And and we can't go without saying Darius Stills, who we we said last week he was back. I mean, he's NFL caliber now. I mean, at Darius Stills, he had two two and a half sacks, three and a half tackle for losses. You know, he was in 
on almost every play. Yeah, I mean, he was hurrying the quarterback. He was causing chaos at the line of scrimmage. They, they, and 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 so the thing that got me, and we I, we texted about this uh, earlier. Coach Brown in his post game press conference made a statement, and I and I will quote the statement. He said, "Next year he will get the play at the next level," and I don't think any of us questioned that Darius was going to move to the NFL next year. But I think you when you, this was the Darius that we thought we were going to see all season, right? Yeah, right. And and it, it's definitely it's definitely that NFL caliber. And and Dante, even Dante was still in there. I mean, he had one tackle for a loss. I mean, the off the defensive line looked great. Puller was in there. And and here's a name that was said a lot over on on Saturday at the game, and I'm happy to hear it said a lot. Nick Troy Fortune. Five tackles. He was in there. He was in the game. Looked great. Great. Great to see him back after everything he's gone through in the past, you know, month or so. So it was really good to see Nick Troy get back in there and get his name up and and get and get some plays. Yeah, he was in the mix all over the place. So real happy the defense. I mean, I don't even know what I don't even know where to start with it or what to say about it because I think if it hadn't been for the defense, um, this team this this game would have been out of hand. And the defense, you know, totally showed up. They played in. They played when it was tough. Like they were off the field for thirty seconds and then back right, on the field. Right. Yeah. We were three and out so many times in that first half, even in the second half, and the defense really came in and, and stepped up. Yeah. And so coming in, Guido, uh, you know, for my prediction, I had predicted a super close loss, like a three point game, one possession game, WVU loss, but that was based on. What I was not comfortable with, and that was the offense's ability to cash in when they would get into scoring opportunities. Now, I still had the same feeling through this game. Uh, uh, you and I were talking early on, going into halftime, I felt like we should be up 14, 17 points. Uh, it's a 7 7 game. You know, I thought Baylor had to be feeling great that it was 7-7 when they were getting what I thought was dominated all over the field in the first half. And even tying it up late, you just had that feeling like, man, had we taken advantage of opportunities, this shouldn't even be close. Right. You can't, And you can't be mad at the defense for letting that touchdown happen in the last two minutes. Like that, That's yeah, a I tough mean, position to on. be in. You've played four sure. quarters of football, you're exhausted, and here you are again out on the field, you know, fighting back. You know, it was, it was, I got a little worried. I mean, that's the thing about football that I think people forget a lot is I think the defense tends to be the most winded of, of the sides when it comes to the end of the game. Offense kind of can keep that pace going where on, on the defensive side, you're fighting so hard that whole game that I think that it's hard for you to go into like an overtime situation like they did and you know prevail yeah i think beyond that too it's you you can only you can only expect them to stop so many opportunities i mean you give baylor enough opportunities like on those turnovers they're going to hit pay dirt at some point so you can't get mad at the defense for for giving up some of the late scores i just thought as the game progressed you got the feeling like had we cashed in on the opportunities this wouldn't even be a game right now well, and I was glad to see the offense really step up in overtime, and I felt like they really, they really took it. Neil Brown mentioned in his post-game press conference that that fourth down uh, pass to O'Laughlin in the flat 
That was Gerard Parker's call. He made that call. So Ger- I said it again, Gerard. It's Gerard. <laughs> Gerard. Uh, yeah, we've, Gerard. We've, we've programmed everyone. To- we've programmed ourselves to think that. But um, but look at the time. At the time, I was saying, oh, I, I don't think I take like the this. points. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking just take the points and put it back on this defense. Now, it's a good thing they did. Um, but at the time, I was thinking, wow, I, I'm not sure I like this call. So, But yeah. It was- but, but all in all, I mean, the team, the team, I think we've got to pull out the positives. You know, we were four for four in the red zone. We were three for three with fourth down attempts. So there are good things that happen, you know, throughout the throughout the day. You know, special teams, as much as we give them a hard time about that about that one play, they didn't look bad. You know, you had block punts. You know, lamb chops McGee, the kicker for Baylor. By <laughs> oh, the way, man. that guy had a rough go. <laughs> but by the way, what's the thing with uh, Baylor? All of Bay- Baylor's players have names that are like other people. Like, so the kicker's name was John Mayer or John Mayers, and then they had a John Lovett yeah. that right. is their running, running back. back yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm like Scoot. Scoot's thinking it's the guy from Saturday Night Live in the '80s. <laughs> I carry the ball. See, I'm gonna say that uh, John Mayer's body was not a wonderland. After he missed the two kicks, they brought in a, a the backup sophomore kid who probably was surprised he even got picked to go on the trip. He's like, "Holy <laughs> right. crap! I'm actually going to yeah, do like, something." Yeah, he's like, "What?" Uh, he was probably over there studying some sort of calculus or something on the sideline. <laughs> brought his textbooks with him. That guy all of a sudden has to go in and kick field goals. Like that is not something you plan for. Well, I hope that we've picked up something for this. You know, we're. Our next game, so we're off a week, another off week, another bye week. We're off. I don't get like, can I can I complain about that? Like, yes, Scoot, do it. Why? Because it's super awkward. Like, why? We don't have time for bye weeks. Put the bye weeks at the end. That's ridiculous. Like, we're in this this crunch time here where you can only play, you're you're only gonna have so many games. You know, you're not playing out of conference. Uh, you know, it seems weekly we have games postponed here or there. Like, play. Why are we waiting time? All right, we're seeing it. We're seeing it in the NFL now. Well, we've already talked about how we feel like our schedule for the Mountaineers in particular is already backloaded. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it's not. The whole conference looks wacko right now. But it felt <laughs> right. like you know it was backloaded. So now that we get these weirdo bye weeks now, like we've already had if, two if we bye gonna, weeks and yeah. we've played like three games right. is is ridiculous. <laughs> right? Like, right. come on. We don't play again until the seventeenth. Kansas comes to to Morgantown to play, which is, I mean, the way Kansas is playing is not going to be. Well, it all boils down to the chrome face mask. It is. I'm telling it's, you, any team with a chrome face mask struggles. You need to call Les Miles and tell him this. You need to tell Les Miles. You give him a call. He, he I think they need a little more than less chrome on their face masks. Part of the problem, I think, with Kansas is, and you see it with with Kentucky, those those predominantly big time basketball schools, for whatever reason, like they just really struggle with their football. Look at Duke. Duke's a struggling football program year in year out. They they cannot for whatever reason commit enough resources or something to their football program to to change the tide well i think the big news for the rest of the weekend was obviously oklahoma falling at iowa state when early in this game guido oklahoma had total control so there's a like a recurring theme with oklahoma where the defense just cannot 
protect what appears to be Spencer Rattler in a pretty effective offense. So that's interesting. They're now 0-2 in conference. I, I would never have pegged them in Kansas having the same conference record right now. And then if you if you kind of look across the board, WVU at one and one is actually sitting in a good spot right now. And and it's and it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, so Kansas lost, by the way. So Kansas lost Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State uh, beat them 47 to seven, which is ridiculous. Oklahoma State now ranked tenth. Is so Oklahoma right. State is currently the highest ranked. I believe I predicted that. Yeah, Oklahoma State currently the highest ranked team uh, in the Big Twelve uh, right now in the AP poll. Oklahoma, who loses this weekend in horrible fashion, they just they've fallen off the rails. They've yeah. forgotten how to play football. Um, they lose to Iowa State thirty-seven to thirty. This, they should just disband the team first. Yeah, they should. They should just get rid of the team. First time that they've lost in Ames in sixty years. Uh, it's the first time since nineteen ninety-four that they've lost back-to-back games while being ranked, and they drop out of. The top twenty-five this week. Heading into the red, heading into the Red River Red River rivalry, which is kind of week. a like a like a meh now, right? Because Texas also loses to TCU, so it's they're not really rolling into that normally fierce game with a whole lot of hoopla. Guido, I'm going to give you some homework for next week's show. Yeah, here's here's the homework. I want you to find out what Oklahoma's record is since the schooner fell over on its side Ooh, ooh. it could be the curse of the schooner i might have to find that out in the break that's That's a good point that's a good that's a good one could still be looming i like this yeah uh i like this could still be looming curse of the schooner because that was late in the season right we played them somewhat late in the season no that was Uh, yeah 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 that was that was like late october early november early november yeah so they probably didn't have too many games beyond our game with them i would venture to guess it's probably a uh could be a 500 record oh man that 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 is that's an interesting i like this curse, curse of, the schooner. of the schooner well and i've, I've seen i've seen uh, some people say this is going to be the year this because of all of this that's going on with oklahoma this is the year west virginia finally beats oklahoma when no fans can be in the stands or maybe fifteen thousand. We'll right which would suck this will be i'm telling you this will be the year we make it to the uh big 12 championship maybe the way the big 12 is going right now that is that's a possibility so Texas loses. Texas stays. We'll get into the college football playoff. Texas stays in the top twenty-five. Well, on the other hand, if you want to talk about the college football playoff, there's zero percent chance that any Big Twelve team gets in the college football. Yeah, playoff. I think they've sealed their fate. I don't know. I guess Oklahoma State could still make a path there, but it won't be from playing highly ranked Big Twelve teams. It will just be based on their rep, I guess. And don't don't worry. I mean, Oklahoma State's going to choke at some point. Like it's. You know they'll lose to Oklahoma. But they'll lose to some, some ridiculous. They'll team. lose to TCU. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah the big the Big Twelve is uh, is all over the place. In, in other news, in the top twenty five, West Virginia did get thirteen votes. So we are still receiving votes. So we are still also receiving votes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so uh, Pitt drops out of the top twenty five. Oklahoma drops out of the top twenty five. So we the Big Twelve is kind of all over the place right now. Iowa State remains at twenty four. Texas goes to twenty two after their loss, and Oklahoma State climbs to ten. So 
it's it's going to be an interesting season in the Big 12, whatever happens, whatever continues. Well, I really like coming out of this win, and if you look at the upcoming games along with this weird uh, bye week, I think we have the we have the opportunity here, Scoot, to get, I think, after Kansas. Am I right, Guido? It's Texas Tech. I think we've got the opportunity to to build some positivity here before we go into the meat of that schedule. So I'm excited. I, I think it's a, I think we're in, we're in a good spot. We got Kansas, then we go Texas tech, Kansas state, and then we're into Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, and Iowa state. Right. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, listen, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with everybody's favorite game show on a West Virginia sports podcast. It's a game we like to call bluff the fluffs. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to got your ears on. Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortecKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortec Knives. All right, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. Don't forget, you can find us on the social medias. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Got Your Ears. You can also look for us on Facebook as well. Check us out. Find us there. Boys, it's time for Bluff the Fluffs. It's the number one game show on a West Virginia sports podcast. I feel like we've cornered that. I mean, there's nobody beating us right now. I'm just I, I like it. Yeah, I like I'm, it. I'm happy about it. Scooty pulls off a win last week, uh, defeating you about autumn. He he knows more about the the season of the fall than you do, Johnson. It felt bad. I, I need to study up, apparently. Scoot brings it back. You're still leading 10 games to seven. Scoot's coming back, though. And uh, and I was going to ask you guys, what are your thoughts? I feel like we need to have like a cap. We need to have like a season. Like At some point, we need to reset it back to zero, don't you think? Yeah, I agree with that. All right, all right. I don't know. Uh, as long as I'm still winning, we can end at any time. I'm fine with that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it will do. We'll do to the end of football season, then we'll reset it. We'll reset it like January one. We'll reset, and it'll be zero to zero, and we'll see if Scoot can. Uh, yeah, send, you know, that's a good idea. Get back, get back, get the lead back. Well, in depending time. on what the topics are, we'll have a 2020 champion, and then we'll reset it for 2021. Well, this week, guys, we're we're uh, we're sticking with, uh, you know. Interesting topics, but this week a little bit more sports related. Back to WVU a little bit. We're going to do, I don't know if you know this, but uh, 2020 is the 40th anniversary of the new Mountaineer Field, which is now called Milan Pushkar Stadium. Right. Uh, so we're going to do a little history about Mountaineer Field and see how nice. you guys do on this. All right. Oh, like God. The- this is going to be bad for me. This is horrible. <laughs> this is like the worst uh, case scenario. You don't know that. By the way, you haven't known, you you know, didn't that. know that the field existed until 2004. So <laughs> tell us what you know about it. Okay? Great. All right. Here we go. Uh, as always, before we start, we have a complete and total random flip of the coin. And this week... Johnson comes out on top and gets to go first. Congratulations, Johnson. Yes. I know you're very excited about that and surprised. Um, first question's to you, Johnson. When Mountaineer Field opened, in the new Mountaineer Field opened in 1980, what was the capacity? Was it 55,000, 42,000, 50,000, 
or 58,000. Oh, wow. I had a number already in my head and you didn't say it. So now oh. I'm a little screwed up. Can you, do you mind repeating the answers? 55,000, 42,000, 50,000, or 58,000. All right. I, I don't know, but I, I'm compelled to go with 50,000. That's correct. It was 50,000 people when it first opened in 1980. I thought it actually opened at 60,000, so I just learned something. You just learned something. So Johnson takes a early lead, five to nothing over Scoot. Scoot, this next question is to you. In 1998, the Pittsburgh Steelers played a preseason exhibition game against which NFL team? Was it the Cincinnati Bengals, the Atlanta Falcons, the Cleveland Browns, or the Chicago Bears? Well, that's a good question. I am going to try to stay local. We're going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. It was not the Cleveland Browns. By the way, I was at this game. Uh, Johnson, was it the Bengals, the Falcons, or the Bears? Uh, I'm going to go with the Bears, Guido. Ooh. Sorry, that's incorrect as well. It was the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons came to... Mountaineer Field, and I tailgated, and then I went to the game, Did and you? I couldn't even tell you who won. I know that uh, <laughs> Bubby Brister was the quarterback, and we saw him for like two series. Okay. Yeah, you know, I remember that. <laughs> remember Bubby Brister for the Steelers? Yeah, I if I feel like there was this down period of Bubby Brister, but people seem to think of him fondly. So I don't know. I guess Steelers fans. That are was Bubby. That. that was is I a think crazy right nickname for a for an athlete. Yeah, it is. All right, uh, so nobody gets a point there, and Johnson, we are back to you. The original Mountaineer Field was built downtown for WVU football in 1924. How much did it cost to build that stadium in 1924? Was it $200,000, $5,750,000, or $2 million? Huh. Um... Wow. I got to think in terms of time value of money back to 1924. I'm going to say, Scoot, this is only going to help you, and I'm continuing to delay. I'm going to say the seven. Did you say $750,000? I'm going to go with that. That's correct. It cost $750,000 in 1924 to build the original, the old Mountaineer Field. Down, downtown, which is now what? A parking lot? Is that what pretty much what it is? Yeah, it's right? the green space, and then I think the Health Sciences building now occupies most of it behind Woodburn. All right, Scoop, back to you. Let's see how you do here. Uh, the largest crowd at Mountaineer Field was at the 1993 game when WVU was ranked ninth and Miami was ranked fourth. What was the attendance for that game? I can tell you one thing. It was more than the 927 people that were at this past week's Baylor game. <laughs> All right. Was it 68,125, 71,522, 70,222, or 69,312? ABC. Oh, B. God. Um, what, was, what was letter A? <laughs> A was 68,125. I'll take uh, B, 71,000, whatever that is. Uh. <laughs> yes, you're incorrect. Johnson, to you in the steal, was it 68,125, 70,222, 
or 69,312. Johnson, I'd like to give you a choice between uh, three different large numbers with a thousand in between them. Good luck. <laughs> Guido loves these sort of things, but I think the answer, Guido, is 70,000 plus people attended that game. That's correct. 70,222 people. They were must have been all over the hill, I would imagine. Yeah, they just and told the fire marshal they, to, what's that over there? And then they <laughs> packed everybody in. Something some big uh, something must have been on fire downtown, and they didn't really care. Seventy thousand two hundred and twenty-two for that nineteen ninety-three game. It's crazy. I remember that. I remember that game very well. I can say that I do not. Nice steal right there for twenty points. You currently lead Scooty twenty to nothing, and uh, and Johnson. This question is back to you. What was the final? So when it closed. In 1979, what was the final capacity of Old Mountaineer Field before they moved to New Mountaineer Field? Was it 38,000, 41,000, 32,000, or 47,000? I think Old Mountaineer Field was under 40,000, so I'm going to go with 38K. That's that's correct. It was 38,000 when it closed. So, Johnson, you now have a lead 25 to nothing. Scoot, you at least need to make a showing. Well, I, I, I agree. Like these, I, I, I agree. I feel like, these, I feel like you're like, not even uh, here. Like, you got a question about uh, what kind of – when you go to the concession stand, how do they give you change? <laughs> uh, I'll take letter A, dollar bill coins. I think what Scoot wants is, like, what was the top – uh evening sitcom during the yeah. last days of Mount, old mountaineer field in 2007 which television celebrity made his way onto the field <laughs> during the pit game and i would say ty pennington from extreme home makeover and i'd win <laughs> but no we don't get those kind of questions we get i uh, would like you to tell me between the four numbers of 35,125, 35,124, 35,123, and 35,122, which was the number? Scoot, I'm not sure, but I'm picking up some angst. I feel like I get it. I get a little bit. I'm not sure, but I'm detecting some irritability from you right now. (laughs) All right. Let's see. Let's see if you can get a couple of points with this one, right? At least make it respectable. Uh, so this is the last question before final bluff, Scoot. This is to you. Over the past few years, there have been a lot of renovations to Milan Pushkar Stadium, adding, removing seating. What is the current, the current capacity at Milan Pushkar Stadium? Is it 62,000, 68,000, 60,000, or 58,000? Uh, I'm gonna say sixty-eight thousand. Sorry, Scoot. Oh my god, that's incorrect. There's <laughs> not sixty-eight thousand seats. This stupid stadium. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's forty years old. You got to respect it. Yeah. Johnson for the steal and ten points. Is it sixty-two? No, I'm just laughing because Scoot just went on a rant about numbers closely packed together, and then you <laughs> <laughs> and I give him a question uh. of numbers. Okay, sorry. What were my choices? 62, 60, or 58,000? I believe the answer is 60,000. That's uh, that's correct. That is correct. It is 60,000. Johnson, you currently lead 35 to nothing. We're on the final bluff. Now, 
Final Bluff's only worth 25 points, Scoot. You have no chance of winning, but we have the question, do you want to just forego it, or do you just want to, you want to try to make it at least look like you didn't lose so We'll bad? try. We will try. All right. So as always on Final Bluff, guys, you have to have your own buzzers. You have to buzz in. So, Scoot, uh, what's your buzzer this week? Rigged. <laughs> All right. Uh, false statement, uh, but okay, we'll we'll accept that as a buzzer. And Johnson, what's your buzzer for this week? I'm going to go with Take Me Home. Take Me Home. Okay. Take Me Home. All right. Here we go. Final Bluff. Anybody can answer this. Scoot has zero chance of winning. How much did it cost to build New Mountaineer Field? Was it $45 million, $22 million, $10 million, or $33 million? Rigged! Right, Scoot's in, <laughs> Scoot's in first, Scoot. What's your, uh, what's your guess uh, between the numbers I, I gave? Yeah, I'm going to choose uh, $33 million. Sorry, that's incorrect. <laughs> of course uh, it is. Johnson, 10 million, 22 million, or 45 million? I'm going to go with $22 million. Uh, that is the correct answer. In 1980, it cost $22 million. Scoot, you know when you're watching NBA highlights and they show LeBron James high-pointing a ball and tomahawking the dunk on somebody? Uh, I feel like that just happened on BTF right here. Uh, can I just tell you, of the all of the ones that we've done on this podcast and on our previous podcast, this is the first time that I think somebody has ne- <laughs> that somebody's won with this much discrepancy. Congratulations, Johnson. You win 60 points to zero over Scoot today. You know when we were already beating Baylor last year and then they dished it to Miles McBride and he reached back and just thunderous dunked in the Coliseum went nuts. I feel like I just experienced <laughs> that on BT. Uh, I mean, Scoot, like these like these weren't hard questions. There was some deductive reasoning you could have used. They were all numbers, numbers after numbers. About a you know when Oscar chased that loose ball down in the corner against Texas, and then he got it back and dunked it on the baseline, and everybody went you, nuts. I feel like I just experienced that. that on you BTF. did uh, the uh, Emmett Matthews Texas Tech dunk from yes. two years ago. That's what just happened to me. Um, I feel like uh, you Quincy Wilsoned me. I feel like uh, you know when we were in Charlotte and Letty Brown stiff armed that Tennessee dude into the turf. I feel like I just experienced that on BT. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Scoot. Maybe you'll uh, close the gap again next week. But Johnson now wins and leads eleven games. The seven over you. So. I was at a severe disadvantage. Next week is an off week. I think you're at an advantage because next week's an off week. And generally in off weeks, I have completely random non-sports football related uh, topics for you. So you might, you might, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you'll get a sitcom in there. Maybe we'll do something. Johnson, what's your favorite television <laughs> show? We'll do a quiz about that. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, let me talk to Johnson for this week, and we'll come up with a good topic. All right, well, listen, let's take a break. We'll come back with our new segment that is not so new anymore that we call I Can't Believe My Ears. <laughs> so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. 
Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio. You'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido along with Scoot and Johnson. Guys, don't forget, you can check out our website, gotyourearson.com. We got a merch section in there. You can buy fanny packs. You can buy bucket hats. All of it's there, right, Johnson? Yeah, it's all, and we're adding to it all the time. So if you go to gotyourearson.com, you'll see the link to the merch store. Click on that, and then you can shop. You can just start ticking off your Christmas list, Guido, with oh, yeah. Got Your Ears start On Christmas merch. Shopping. Um, and don't forget that you can find all the show notes from this week's show with the links included of everything we talked about, probably some stuff that we didn't even get to on there too. And you can listen to the show, uh, right there through the link on the site. So check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. Got your ears on.com. Hey guys. So after last week's episode, uh, you know, I never really figure when we ask for people to give us a call for the can't believe my ears segment, they actually will call, but we got a call this week about uh some leftovers take a listen to this hey guys this is jeremy um i was just calling in to comment about the leftover um topic that you all had covered last week and me myself i'm i'll I'll eat leftovers i have no problem with it but as far as whether they're good or not to me it just depends on what it is but one thing i wanted to throw out at you is chili not like on a hot dog but in a bowl. I personally think chili is better the second day and even the third day. So when we make chili around here, we will actually make it the day before, set it in the refrigerator, and then we put it back on the stove and heat it back up for dinner the next day. So don't know if you all do that or if you have an opinion on it. Love the show. Yeah, so that was uh, that was Mr. Kreitz calling us. Telling us, Mr. J.M. Crates, that's you and uh, you and him, by the way, Johnson. You got you guys got a little tete-a-tete back and forth on. Uh, that's French for head-to-head. That's French. Oh, is that? Yeah. Thanks, Scoot. Yeah. I was wondering what that meant. I was going to ask Gerald. Five years. I took five years of French. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just name you our French correspondent from now on. Maybe. Yeah, I, Say bon. So he usually has some interesting comments, and I'll pipe in. He's piped in on our stuff before, so I I like it when people interact with us on the on the tweeter. So. He's talking up the chili leftovers. Yeah, so yes. Jeremy likes the chili leftovers. You know, I got to say, I'm with him on that. Like, I kind of like the chili leftovers two or three days later. Well, but he's talking, yeah, he's talking like that's part of the game plan. That's part of the strategy for it. Not just leftovers, but like letting Is it- there a meal that you cook with the thought of not eating it that day, but you want the leftovers? Is there something, some other kind of meal that you would do that with? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think so. I think chili is definitely a, a great example of that. Lasagna is a great example of that. You make a big pan of lasagna, you're not eating it all in one day. What if you don't eat it at all the first day? Like, is there some kind of, like, can it, can it be a leftover if you don't eat it that day? Well, then it's not really a leftover. Then you're just making a pre, pre-prepared meal, right? But you didn't eat it, so it's left over. Well, to me, it's part of the prep. No, it's not left over because you never ate it the first time. Yeah, so how is it left never... over from something if you never ate it the first time? Right. I'm just if you go, if you over from what? It's not left over from anything. 
What if you barely sample it? <laughs> that's called cooking. That's part that's of the cooking, cooking that's process. That's just taste testing. That's well, not that's, eating. So then is it a leftover if you taste test it? Leftover is only if you eat it. I'm just I'm just saying it's not a leftover. It's if you make it and you don't eat it, then it's not leftover. It's just a pre-made meal. Like I, I see Jeremy at home maybe sampling, uh, like taste testing his chili and saying, oh, that tastes good, and then he puts it in the fridge. Well, then that's just taste. Then it's not leftovers. So then it's so then it's not a leftover. Yeah, and probably what he says to himself is, that's going to taste good tomorrow it's, when I eat it for the first time. So then what we need is it's clarification. Like cheese, Scoot. It's like cheese. Cheese tastes good anytime. There's no need to leftover <laughs> right away from no, the no. get-go. You age it, right? So you taste it, but then you you put it in the fridge. You let it age a little bit. Mm-hmm. You got to let... That's what right. he's doing. He's in aging his chili. He likes it. a two-day aged chili. Cheese doesn't make it that yeah. long in this house. <laughs> well, thanks for the call, Jamie. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see what you have about this week's. I can't believe my ears. What do you got for us this week? Okay, well, uh, this is a. It's kind of a morbid topic, but uh, I thought it was an interesting thing. Oh, good. Uh, you know, I thought I'd, I'd. Oh, that's so wonderful. Liven up the conversation. We just won a football game. <laughs> you yes. just lost. Can't let's believe my ears. But let's up. talk about that. All right. Well, let's yeah. do, um, do you guys like candy? Are you guys candy guys? I love. I love. I like candy. What kind of candy uh, do you like? What Scoot? What are you scoping into candy? Licorice. Let's talk licorice. No. Do you like hard? Well, miss wait, you like me Twizzlers. With Twizzlers is that no. licorice? Yeah, I like a Twizzlers. No, miss me with all that. Okay. How about a black? No, licorice? you don't like Twizzlers, Johnson. N- no, and black licorice is like, um. It's like if you ran out of cough medicine that you didn't feel like drinking, then you would eat that kind of licorice to me. It is uh, black licorice is tough to take. It's bad. It's it's tough to take. Well, uh, recently a Massachusetts man, uh, see Guido, died from overdosing <laughs> on black licorice. Wait, what? Overdosing? Yes, he died from so? overdosing on black licorice. So apparently this guy... This is a horrific way to die, first uh, of all. He would eat uh, red licorice, a bag of red licorice, every day. Oh my gosh. And, which I think is extreme. I mean, come on. Who likes Twizzlers that much? I mean, they're well, all licorice right. Licorice is but, just essentially sugar, right. right? I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't really get into licorice all that much. Uh, however, he decided recently to switch over to black licorice, okay. and uh, what happens is that lowers your potassium levels, and uh, can lead to high or uh, high blood pressure and abnormal heart rhythms. And um, he ate too much; he collapsed while eating something else some other time. So uh, that's that's insane. So I I immediately googled this scoot. Because I feel like this was a lie. And I immediately Google this. You go FDA, FDA website, Food and Drug Administration, right here. says, yeah. if you're 40 or older, eating two ounces of black licorice a day for at least two weeks, it could land you in the hospital with an irregular Holy heart rhythm cow. or arrhythmia. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Like, there's How did I not know this? Well, so there's a couple things at play here, right? One. Like with Halloween coming up, Scoot, we got to get the word out. Well. Yeah, we. I mean, all of our forty-year-old counterparts need to know. Aren't uh, good and plenties also kind of like black licorice, or there's some part of them that is black licorice esque? Uh, I think there's something. I'm one of those fan, things tastes disgusting, so, so I don't eat them. I'm not sure. Like it's either good and plenty like, or Mike and Ike. I'm not sure which one, but they're both foul. 
So uh, I don't uh, – things that concern me, one, that, that this man is eating a bag of licorice a day. Like right. that's First abnormal. Yes. He's, yes. And he's 54. He's right. not that's... seven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Two, something prompted him to say, you know what? I'm going to try this black licorice, and I think I like that much to eat it a bag at a time. Like, yo – I don't like one, let alone a bag. And I can't even tell you the last time I had some. Maybe when I was seven, six, and I was like, oh, this is horrible. I'm never eating this again. Well, I have to think, though, if if someone is like if if a Tuesday for this person is eating a bag of licorice, then perhaps they didn't have other healthy habits either. And maybe it wasn't just the licorice that that caused the issue. I don't know. And then three. Let's talk about the spelling of licorice and how you pronounce it. Ridiculous. <laughs> like or ice? Is that yeah, what you're like? Come thinking? on. <laughs> like, what is going on? What language is this we're speaking? So I think licorice. I, so, I think we're agreeing that licorice is just suspect, regardless. Like, you wouldn't. I mean, you don't have to worry about me dying from it because I'm never eating it again. Like, there's <laughs> not like I. I'm not eating a bag. You don't have to worry about two. I don't even know what two ounces is of licorice, but I'm not eating that. <laughs> like, I it, it concerns me. Two ounces isn't. I feel like two ounces isn't that much. Yeah, I feel like that's a very small amount. That's why this is so surprising to me. Because what in the heck is in there that such a small amount per day? What is it made of? Right? Is it just sugar? It can't be sugar. It doesn't taste like sugar. It tastes freaking horrible. It tastes like a shoe. Or something. It's like a, like some sort of shoe with some sort of glue product or something. It mixed in. I don't know. It it alludes so it alludes to and maybe I guess we'll link to this now. But it's something to do with the glycerin. Although this looks like uh, glycerizin is the substance they they're talking about. I feel like we're saving West Virginians and and I mean people listen to us all over right. the world. But Don't eat licorice. I feel like we're saving yes. we're saving people left and right. Do here. not eat black licorice. Don't eat. Not it. only does it look like shoelaces, it tastes horrible. Like just the thought of it, like I'm I'm having like nightmarish feelings about what it tasted like the last <laughs> time I had it and like I feel like my throat is starting to seize up a little bit. I don't it's ugh. So so you know you know the licorice licorice is a plant, right? So there's a plant called a, a licorice plant. No. Which I, by the I'm way, gonna honestly say I didn't know that. So this is a plant we're yeah, eating? So it's, it's not candy? It's, it's a plant. It's like a plant candy. Well they take like extract from the plant. <laughs> it's plant candy, Scoot. <laughs> it's plant candy, Scoot. It's healthy for you. I ain't want uh, none of that there plant candy. You. you can keep it. <laughs> it's, I want none of your vegetables. Plant candy. It's vegetables and candy all at the same time. It's <laughs> Does, efficient. <laughs> <laughs> they take extract from the licorice plant and they mix it with like syrups and sugars with like bad tasting stuff. <laughs> and then they make Twizzlers. We'll throw in a little bit of nail polish remover. <laughs> we'll see. You got any dry cleaning materials? Let's throw some of those in, and then we'll swirl it all some, together. Uh, is that some? Is that some old mop water? Go ahead and toss that in there. <laughs> got some pine salt. That tastes good this time of year. So it's gross. So, uh, so yeah, that's I'm with you. So, Scoot, what like? All right. So we obviously the three of us are all in agreement that uh, blackly. I like a Twizzler now and then. I mean, I wouldn't say it's my go-to. I will eat red Twizzlers. I hope to God I mean, I'm I not guess. eating more than two ounces. I'm worried that it's connected somehow to this black licorice. Right. I mean, now that it's a cousin of this, I'm like, I don't know about you, red licorice. Like, yeah. Are you? 
How closely related are you? Is licorice just the style? Like, because it's like that weird twisty rope? Maybe. Plus, I'm trying to get my head around this plant candy. It's like, you've just told me that licorice is like the V8 of the Halloween bag. And I can't, I I don't know what to do with that. So if I see somebody chewing on like uh, some kind of plant... Oh, he's just having some candy. That's, is that what I'm to think? Like a farmer chewing on some grass? No, no, because they add sugar to the plant. They they extract whatever out of the plant, and then they add sugar to it, and that's what makes the licorice. So if a farmer's got some sort of piece of grass in his mouth, which I find to be ridiculous. So can we just talk about that for a second? Why are farmers chewing on grass? Why? I feel like... Guido, I feel like you're now... This is the conversation you would have if two people... Like you were from the future and Scoot and I were from like 1950 and you were explaining how candy production works in the future. <laughs> That's how I feel like this licorice conversation. So do you think it came right from now. farmers chewing on grass? They're like, you know what? We can take this, this tree, twist it up, put in some sugar and some turpentine and we can call that candy. I And I don't know why they talk like that. Could not, maybe they're not Southern that came up with licorice. The etymology of it, Scoot, in case you're wondering, the etymology of it is that it's fr- it's primarily uh, grown in England and France in that sort of uh, Western Europe, European area, and that it's called a sweet root. So licorice in French there you go, uh, means sweet they root. They probably pulled it up out of the ground. They're like, I'm going to gnaw on these roots. Cause... <laughs> and I'm sure they did. I'm sure they like gnawed on, yeah, sucked the juice out of the, out of the plant. I'm sure that's the history. And then they were like, hey, if we had some sugar yeah, to this. Like, we just had we... a little more sugar, it'd be, it'd be fine. It's disgusting. And we dye it black. It I've been good. just gnawing on my shoe leather, but this is way better. Well, and it, it, Licorice was primarily used in like tobacco back in the turn of the century. So they put it in like for cigarettes and those kind of things and they've turned it into candy so let's give it to our kids Horrific. so what if you don't like licorice scoot what is like what's your go-to candy like it's halloween we're getting oh, close I'm, to halloween I'm, here what's uh, your go-to candy i do love me some twix i like a twix okay i also like uh i'm i like kit kat i'm no fool i like kit kat so you like you like a twix scoot do, do, scoot, do you like do you like a uh do you like a full size Twix or do you oh, like, I the like fun the full size? size. I, listen, fun size is a joke, right? When you were a kid, fun what, size you did not exist. You hate fun. It didn't exist. It was either full size or but nothing. You- I'd rather have nothing than full size. Well, either way, you're wrong. The answer is Reese's peanut butter, anything, no, no, cups, no. what, whatever. I'll take that. I like that. a good Reese's peanut butter. Yes. I like a good Reese's That's the answer. I mean, I think you guys are you guys are missing the boat with the gourmet jelly beans. Oh, God. With, oh like jelly belly gosh. jelly beans? This is, oh, I guess. Come on. Now, this is the uh, worst For our take listeners ever. that have not been privy to our text thread, which is, thank God you're not, um, Guido <laughs> will text us about how he's been knocking down some jelly beans. I argue that he's the only American... That eats jelly beans between outside of the one week prior to and the one week after Easter. <laughs> Nobody no else jelly is going into jelly, jelly beans. beans anytime. These are highfalutin, 
like very, very gourmet. Yeah, the, jelly this beans is scoop. the part specifically these, these that I have a problem the, with. The word, these the word not, gourmet has never been on. put in front of the words jelly beans in my life. I like a gourmet Twix. I, like, listen, I'd be okay with a gourmet Twix. I, I'm sure we have listeners out there that like the jelly bellies, like I do. Gour, a nice gourmet jelly bean, not like not the sugary. You know, I know what you're talking about. The Easter ones that are, you know, those. Those are terrible. Like those aren't very good. These are fancy jelly beans, is what I'm saying. Jelly beans arguably only beat out licorice, and that's it. Like, and that's only because licorice is terrible. I would put, I would put. It's a close tie above licorice with gumdrops and jelly beans. Come on, man. You, I, I'm gonna send you some good jelly beans. Look, I feel like you've never had I'm, a good jelly. I'm bean. just telling this you. This is like you. Like you say, you, you say you're like a cheese aficionado, but I think the only cheese you've ever had are like Kraft American no, no, slices. No, no, no. Like, come I on don't... now, come on now. Now listen, Guido buys this like. Uh, he goes to Sam's Club or he goes to Costco and he gets the uh, bulk size Jelly Belly container. He he like gets the uh, you know uh, for some reason and I'm not sure why. Cheese balls only come in some gigantic barrel shaped thing. He gets jelly beans in that mm-hmm. th- sized thing. They last me like a week and a half. <laughs> I'm just saying if that ends up in my halloween bag when i'm a kid you get sorted out to like oh come on third string i i'm not that's not the candy i'm looking for that's the candy you let your dad have that's the candy that yeah like someone else can feel free to the heath bar i love Heath. it's funny because i love heath bars now i'm in my 40s i love a good heath bar now but man i can remember when i was a kid and you get the heath bar and the trick-or-treat you'd be like "Ah, yeah you're like what uh there was a guy that would give us a dime like a like a coin, the coin a dime or a nickel, a trick or treat. Really, that's it. Like not even candy. He gave you a dime. Yeah, like like thanks, thanks for the dime. Let me <laughs> let me come back <laughs> ten more times so maybe I can actually buy something. <laughs> you couldn't even buy candy for a dime in the eighties. No, I know it was the worst. Like we kept going back every uh, year because we thought, well, surely he won't do that again. This was just like a mistake. He forgot to go get candy. <laughs> no, every year a dime. <laughs> Uh, well, let us know what your favorite Halloween candy is so that we don't send it to you. All right, guys, thanks for listening this week. We're going to wrap it up. We'll be back next week with another episode by week episode, which are always fun and exciting when we do them. Right. Johnson? Yeah. I mean, come on. Everyone loves a good bye week. Everybody loves a good bye week. We'll right ask... on the heels, of, right. Almost on the heels of your other bye week. Yeah. And there's nothing that really helps your momentum after a big, you know, walk off win like a bye week. Yeah. Like a solid bye week. Yeah, great bye week. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find us online, gotyourearson.com. You can also find us on the social medias at Got Your Ears on both Instagram and Twitter. Look for us on Facebook as well. We appreciate everybody listening. West Virginia University is two and one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Got Your Ears On.